This episode of the Policy Viz podcast is brought to you by Socrata. Socrata is the global leader in software solutions that are designed exclusively for digital government. They deliver unprecedented data-driven innovation and cost savings for hundreds of public sector leaders and millions of their constituents around the world. Socrata's digital government solutions are being deployed for a wide array of strategic and mission-critical government services that empower citizens while enhancing their quality of life. To learn more about Socrata, visit www.socrata.com. Welcome back to the Policy Viz podcast. I am your host, John Schwabish. I hope everyone's having a lovely kickoff to fall. Um, I'm here today with Rebecca Williams from the Office of Management and Budget. Um, Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Um, so thanks for coming on. This is really exciting. Um, we have known each other for a while now when you were at data.gov, and now you're at OMB, a senior open government analyst, which is a pretty awesome title, um, especially for someone in the federal government. I agree. <laughs> so maybe you can, um, why, don't, why don't we start by having you sort of tell listeners a little bit about yourself um, and maybe a little bit about what you're working on right now with the White House. Sure. Um, I'll give uh, my background for more context. Um, I started off um, being interested in data as a city planner. Um, and when I lived in New York City doing city planning work, I came across a group called Open Plans that did open source civic technology. And I got more and more invested in this space of trying to find new data sources that were free and open to use for research and other reasons. Um, and from there, um, I started working at the Sunlight Foundation, and then I worked at data.gov. And now, I'm currently on loan to the White House to work <laughs> on open data, uh, this time instead of like crunching numbers, more on the policy side. Okay, so can you explain a little bit about the sort of the difference between what you're doing now at the White House versus what you were sort of doing at data.gov? Because my sort of my thought was when you're at data.gov is you were sort of working with agencies trying to convince them to give you all their good data or at least the, the libraries and the meta links to all those all the good data. That is totally accurate. Um, <laughs> I guess like the the briefest way I can explain it is I had more of like a good cop uh, like facilitator role at data.gov and now I have more of a bad cop um like metadata cop police role, uh, which actually I think suits my um, background from the Sunlight Foundation a little bit more. Yeah. Um, at data.gov, so there is overlap. I would say like about like 20, 25% of the work I do is still talking to agencies about their metadata in a similar way, except for now, since I'm in the Office of Management and Budget in the White House, yeah. uh, more, I can be uh, more specific with my critique and there are all these other like meetings I have to go to with higher up politicals, and I can say like, this agency isn't doing this with their data, or they really should be doing this. Can you tell leadership in that agency that this is a priority? Right. So, so what is it like, or what are the challenges? I guess is probably the better question when you are talking to agencies and trying to get them to buy into this whole idea of opening up their data. Because I would suspect that for many agencies, that's a completely foreign idea that the data that they are working with, they're now going to sort of release out to the public. So what is that sort of interaction like? Yes, I think um, 
I mean, we have 24 CFO Act agencies that are under the executive order slash open data policy that we focus on um, specifically. Uh, all the other like independent agencies, like for example, like the FCC or the FEC, these are agencies that it, it truly is just like a kind conversation where it's like, we're doing this thing and this is how you can do it. But these other agencies are technically under a mandate to at least start doing steps forward in this direction. Um, and there's definitely different strategies for different agencies, uh, but I think part of my role being over at OMB now is um, shifting the conversation um, away from uh, just like quote unquote open data and having that be like a buzzword that's interesting and talking yeah. more about uh, the life cycle of data management and then also how this uh, plays into um, how agencies are actually managing uh, things that are relevant to their mission. So some of the things I'm working on at OMB is um, sort of rebranding open data to just be about data management period um, and about the full life cycle of data management. Uh, there's a lot of uh, privacy concerns going on in the federal government right now, um, and rightfully so. Um, and open data is still uh, very much um, a priority uh, for this administration, knowing that the administration will change eventually, and we want to sort of institutionalize all the, the good work that's been done right. um, with open data. So a, a lot of uh, the work is just sort of making sure that we have data and data management baked into all these other policies that are happening. And one of those policies is the Data Act, um, which is a law that was passed last year to standardize uh, federal spending data. Mm -hmm. Um, and OMB also helps oversee that implementation. So that's like one example of uh, something that I'm working on from the policy side that I, I wasn't doing at data.gov. Right, um, right. Another example is um, there's a law passed uh, recently called FITARA that empowers chief information officers in their agency in a way that they hadn't been empowered previously. Um, now they essentially will have a seat at the table for all agency decision making. Um, and CIOs are going to need uh, good data to work with about how their agency is being run and also how their mission is being accomplished. Um, and they're going to need um, better data and data people to work on that data um, to help inform their decision making. Um, but now the idea that like technology and mission are separate is sort of going away. Um, and definitely uh, data is a, is a huge chunk of, of what technology is. And how much of the uh, discussion that you have with with agencies is about when it comes to open data? Is it how much is it how much is the discussion about opening the data to the world versus sort of opening the data just within their organization? Sort of be, you know, sort of trying to knock down the silos between divisions. Yeah, so I think that's what we've actually struggled with the most: um, the opening the data to the world for the like the low hanging fruit has been sort of. Uh, it's going slower than I would like, but it's on course. Uh -huh. um, but the internal stuff is is more tricky. Um, so the open data policy actually has uh, like three access level categories. So we have like non-public, restricted public, and public. Mm -hmm. And the restricted public bucket is supposed to be um, like a free-for-all for all sorts, or like a, a, a big bucket for things that either are like for researchers or for internal use or like require a login. Um, but in terms of having agencies actually inventory the, the non-public and then restricted public stuff, they've been a lot more hesitant huh. to even sort of list it somewhere. 
Um, so there's been a major push to get agencies to share um, internally and then also like intra-agency um, better practices. Right now they're basically like one-off uh, or, or memos of understanding between agencies to, to share um, what might be sensitive information and it's, it's not the most efficient way to go about it. Right. And are the challenges for, for a lot of these agencies, is it technology? Is it culture? Is it the format of the existing data? Is it the privacy and security issues? What is there? Are there like certain things you've identified as being like the primary things that are um, the things you sort of run into the most? Yeah. Um, so funny you should say that. So we just did like a, like agency by agency um, sessions, like talking with uh, people that are actually working on it on the ground and then did a uh, a survey of results that should be out any moment. It, we just closed it yesterday, but that will be public data. Our survey of results about what's going on with uh, agency data management. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I've seen is there's issues with data governance. Um, federal uh, agencies are so large, and it's just like organizing between components or within a component. That is really difficult. And then what has been self-reported is that the, the cultural issues are actually more of a challenge than the technical. Yeah. Um, but I will say, like, in terms of all sorts of information management, um, talent has been uh, a real challenge as well. Um, luckily, some of the, like, the digital services funding and 18F and USDS and the Presidential Innovation Fellowship Program has been really helpful. But again, this is still... I don't know how many people that makes up altogether. It's like 200 people or something in a very, very large organization. Yeah. And we see like time and time again, if we put somebody in that has um, these skills and they sort of have authority or license to do what they need to do with the data, um, a lot of government data is in a position where it's just like it needs to, to be ETL'd into a better system to work better <laughs> or it needs to be collected better. Like it's very like step one before we even get into like really interesting analysis yeah. or like critiquing like better ways uh, to collect information. Um, so yeah, it, it's getting the right people in government um, and also the right people in government to help procure the right tools so they don't um, pay too much for technology that isn't really going to do the job they need or even so that they know how to include the proper clauses for like data rights or like requirements if you have if you're creating an API or an ETL like somebody that can speak um, policy or law and then also speak tech so you're asking for what you need and you're not uh, being swindled essentially yeah right right so I know you spend a lot of time in um, here in DC at least in the data in the data community DC and in the meetup groups and I'm wondering what role um, sort of the public, plays in this whole effort not, not necessarily in terms of sort of the demand for data but sort of in the maybe helping to develop the tools or provide the feedback on uh you know this these data are not useful we can't get them you know sort of providing uh, not just demanding like we want this data but saying you know this data that is out there is not very good can you sort of help us make it better so is there a role for the for the I mean, we can call it the tech community, but it's really broader than that, I think. But is there a role for the public in, in, in as being part of this process of opening more data from the government? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the interesting uh, 
position that the federal government is in right now is that since 2013, there has technically been a policy about open data and data management. Um, we're slowly moving along, but part of that policy is there, there's also a requirement to engage with the public about prioritizing um, data improvements. Mm -hmm. And since there's so much work to be done, the more the public um, and, you know, any aspect of the public, so the, the private sector or nonprofits or academia or journalists can identify, like, this data set has this issue and this is what I would need to fix it or um, weighs in on, like, this growing um, resources of tools. There, there's a bunch of uh, open data, um, open source tools that are being made available in the federal government. I was just talking the other day about how we should just like round them all up in one spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but at least govcode.org is one place to start. And especially like I, I would encourage people to check out like the GSA GitHub repo or the 18F GitHub repo or CFPB's GitHub repo. Uh, a lot of the data tools are coming out of those shops. Um, but just weighing in either on the tools or specific data. Um, I know... Every talk I give, I'm just like, email the government like what you need, um, especially if you are a user of that data on a regular basis. A lot of the feedback that you end up getting inside of government is either, um, I don't, there's like a lot of like research help desk type of requests that we've yeah. gotten at data.gov before that we can't really fulfill without, you know, doing more research or collecting new data that's not collected or using data that isn't government data to, like, answer the question. Um, or a lot of it is just, like, YouTube comment-type style feedback <laughs> where it's just, like, a random thing. Yeah. So if you're really using it and you're really precise about it, like, I encourage you to reach out by, like, email, by comment. Every agency has a slash data page where they're, by policy, every, like, 24 CFO Act agencies are required to have some sort of feedback mechanism. But also, if you just, if you write a blog post about it, or you write um, a story about it, or you write a paper about it, I send those to the points of contact on a regular basis, and I, I've seen things turn over. Um, one example of that is um, Parker Higgins, who works at uh, EFF, mm -hmm. a blog post last year about how the they're watercolor paintings that the USDA had, but um, they weren't releasing them. And uh, oh, they were charging. You could get three for free, but then you had to pay to download these these watercolor images. And he's a you know open uh, everything advocate mm -hmm. in, in the public domain. And he was like, these are government created paintings. Why is this the case? He wrote like a really specific blog post about it. Um, I sent it around to the USDA people and asked, like, what we could do. And then, like, in government time, it took, like, a month or so, <laughs> maybe two months. Uh, but eventually they worked out the – they rechecked the contract of um, the vendor that they had procured. Like, they had to digitize those paintings and they used – they outsourced that task. Uh -huh. And in that contract, they thought that they would have to charge for it under the contract language. But they revisited it, and they didn't have to. So nice. now all of those paintings are online, and you don't have to pay for them anymore. But that's, like, one example where yeah. it's just, like, wow, there was, like, a really specific ask with, like, a specific thing that he was, like, going to do with them that I could get to the right point of contact. And it doesn't have to be me. Um, there's also, if you go to Project Open Data at uh, the very bottom of the page or slash points of contact on that, that page, um, 
there's the email addresses of anyone who's a point of contact at these agencies on open data. And they are by mandate supposed to listen to you. Nice. I like when people are forced to pay attention to me. That is nice. Um, well, I'll put um, all these links on the, on the uh, podcast website so people can use them, which is great. I want to, um, I want to uh, in an imaginary way, I want to speed up government time. Mm-hmm. Um, a few years and ask uh, and posit the following. So um, we're now in a world that's some years in the future um, and government data f- is out there. Uh, there are nice tools and there's more data that is available for people to get more easily. What is the next? And I know that I'm, I know that's a long, that may be <laughs> a long way away and that's fine, but let's just speed it up. What is, what's the next um, evolution in open data? Specifically, government open data. I mean, we can talk generally about open data, but for federal government open data, what's the next phase? So I would, this is my theory. Uh, It does not reflect the administration or anybody else. Um, But I think it's true for federal uh, government data and local government data. Um, I think the next step is rather than just having it be broadcast authoritative data from the government that is either accurate or not as accurate as you want to be. It's going to be more of a conversation um, between government data and then other data sources. Uh Um, I think one of the first examples where this might actually play out, and I look for examples like this all the time, but um, OpenStreetMap bearing any like licensing issues, uh, to be compatible with government data is usually, they're, they're, it's often the case that OpenStreetMap is ahead of whatever government data collection we're doing for, for geospatial things. Um, and that's an example where someone that's not the government can provide data that the government doesn't have. Yeah. Um, I also think it'll be a way to validate data to see if it's actually accurate. Um, there's already some government data sets that are sort of like this now where... You can sort of compare and contrast to, to sort of like get closer to what like the accurate count is on something. Um, I think one example is um, maybe it's in the UCR where they asked about um, hate crimes, um, but then CDC also asked victims like what they were um, victim to and if it was a hate crime. And you yeah. can like compare those statistics against each other like. Would, how many people think they were victim of a hate crime versus like how many hate crimes are reported by police departments and like how far off is that number? Yeah, and actually um, sort of verify the the cross cross and verify the data. Yeah, yeah. so I th- I think there's going to be like a lot of ver- like verifying and validation stuff, and that and that's going to be between government and between outside sources. And I think like one really like. Um, there's a million reasons why it's an interesting topic, but the, the, the police data initiative work is really interesting to me because it, it has this uh, dynamic in, in spades where it's, it, it's very important to talk about like state data versus like citizen collected data when what you're trying to do is make sure that the, the state is held accountable in a situation. So you can't always rely on um, state data. It, ha- it has to be... Um, compared against something um that might be farther away than um than i would like but that's where i see it going yeah yeah really interesting well um so i want to thank you for coming on the show this is a really fascinating discussion and i'm curious um to sort of wrap up so you're at data.gov you're at the white house now 
Uh, your detail there ends up in a, in a few months. So are you headed back to data.gov or is your role going to change there? Sort of where, where do you, where are you going to be in the next, in early 2016? So the plan now is back to data.gov, but I think um, hopefully my experience uh, working across like several different um, perspectives for this now and yeah. also working more closely with 18F and these other teams, like these digital service teams um, in agencies um, might also be useful or grow into something more specific. But it'll still be data for a while. So. Right. Great. Great. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. It's been um, really interesting. And uh, for those of you who are listening, hopefully there's many of you, if you have data needs or data critiques uh, from the federal government, um, just email Rebecca. Um, she'll fix all of the problems for you. <laughs> email me, though. I don't know that I can always fix them. But. but she'll put it in the hands of the right people, which is sometimes that's really what you need. Um, so thanks, everyone, for listening. Be sure to check out the show on iTunes, and please rate the show on iTunes. And if you have comments or suggestions or questions, hit me up on the site or on Twitter, and I will see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. This episode of the Policy of Is podcast was brought to you by Socrata. Socrata is the global leader in software solutions that are designed exclusively for digital government and provide benefits for hundreds of public sector leaders and their constituents. The company's customers, among others, include the cities of New York, Chicago, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. To learn more about Socrata, visit them on the web at www.socrata.com.